Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. And what a gift it is to have you with us here today. If it's your first time, I hope that somebody made you feel wanted and welcome and seen in this space. I hope that you felt at home here. We're just honored to have you. You know, uh, we just finished up my favorite time that we have together as a church, and that is 21 days of prayer and fasting. And for me, it was powerful. It was, I know that my heart needed it, that my soul needed it, but I feel like a new creation after this time of prayer and fasting. I feel restored, revived, and ready to go. I'm about to go bear hunting with a switch out here. I, I just feel so excited. And so I, I hope that uh, it was a good season for you as well. And we're moving from our season of prayer and fasting now into one of my favorite seasons as a church, and that is small group season, y'all. Yeah. We believe that one of the things that makes the Gathering Church special, one of the things that makes it great is the incredible community that we have here. And the small groups are the heart of that community. We believe that in small groups, we have the opportunity to get vulnerable, to make real relationships where we can find freedom and see God begin to move in our lives. And uh, So we have one more week of small group leader signups. Now, maybe God has placed a small group in your heart that you haven't listened to them yet. You'd be like, nah, they've got too many. They've got too many. I got to tell you, we don't have too many. Matter of fact, we need you and the small group that God has placed in your heart to lead. Our, our vision for this semester of small groups is that we would have a lot of tables where community is built around. That, that We're not looking for a whole lot of curriculums and, and all those things are good. And if you're going to lead that, lead it. We're going to support you and be with you. But what we believe that our church needs in this time is just to get together, to have a family dinner. You ever sit around that family dinner table and life is shared there and uh, people are able to connect with one another on a deeper level and we're able to see the Holy Spirit move between one believer to the next around the family table and so uh, we're looking for people just to lead these dinner groups and we've got a training this week where we'll resource you and teach you how to do it and what it means to be a life group leader if you've never done it before we're gonna we're gonna do everything that we can to make it easy for you and so we would just love for you to partner with us in leading a small group you can sign up at gatherashville.org slash lead and, and let us know or you can go tell them at the connection center right after service and they'll tell you how to do all that as well and uh, next week we begin life group or small group signups I said life group Robert after all this time I'm still doing it uh, we're beginning small group signups next Sunday. So come ready, you know, bring a pen so that you can be ready. It's all online, but bring a pen anyways. And, and uh, because you're going to want to get in those groups soon, get in the one you want before they fill up. Let me pray for us and we'll get into it today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are, God, for calling us to be a people on mission in Jesus' name. I just ask that you would fire us up for what it is you've created and called us to do today, that you'd make it clear to us and that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in week four of this series on mission. We're wrapping it up today. Next week we begin, we begin a brand new series called United. And for three weeks, we're going to be talking about the unity of Christ. And I believe we are living in one of the most divided times in the history of humanity. That I don't know if you know this, maybe you've tried not to know, but it is an election year. And 
we know that division is going to be the work of the enemy this year. And so uh, we're going to work hard to stand firm as a church, united in Jesus' name. And I cannot wait. I got a message that's been brewing in me for a while now to share next weekend. I can't wait for you to hear that. So next week, new series. Today, we wrap up this series called On Mission. We've been in this series all year long. That's a dad joke because it's only the third week or fourth week of the year. Uh, New Year's are oftentimes when we like to begin new things. We decide to take care of our bodies through diet and exercise. We take on new habits that we hope improve our lives. Or we try to kick old habits that we think might shorten our lives. We try to change our behaviors. The, The New Year is our season for that. And I think the New Year is a great time to try new things. But I also believe that the New Year is a great time to breathe new life into old things. That's what this series is all about. We, we as a church, we've got to get on mission. And do what, to do that, in order to do that, we have to understand exactly what that mission is. When we lose our why, we lose our way. And we know that, so we've been focusing on studying our why and our how over these last three weeks. Uh, I believe that life has a way of distracting us from the things that truly matter. We fall off track. We lose our focus. And that's why it is so important for us to remind ourselves or to be reminded of what our mission is and regain the focus we need to live with. Um, We have to be focused and we have to be on mission because the world needs a church that is on mission. And at the Gathering Church, our mission, the way that we see it lived out, is that we exist to lead people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We've spent the last few weeks going through these other steps, talking about how to know God and find freedom and discover your purpose. And so if you're tracking, if you're one of those people that fills the blanks in early, you might have already figured out that today we're talking about how to make a difference. What does it mean for us to make a difference in our city? And as we wrap up, that's what I want to talk about today. And so a few different thoughts, four different thoughts on what it means to make a difference here in our city. The first thing is that we got to follow the path. Last week, as we talked about discovering purpose, I said that there are prerequisites to discovering purpose. And it's what we covered in the first two weeks of this series. We've got to know God and find freedom in order to discover purpose. But in order to make a difference, there are the prerequisites of the last three weeks. To know God, to find freedom, and to discover our purpose to make a difference in that purpose. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. The hope of the world. I think that what we carry here is exactly what they are looking for out there. Even with our bumps and bruises and challenges and many imperfections, the local church is still the greatest force for good that the world has ever seen. The local church is the bride of Christ. That title is used by both Paul and recorded by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation through the words of Jesus. But I love it in the context of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The love that Christ feels for the church is the standard for how we are meant to love our wives. 
It is the golden standard. When we talk about the way that Christ loves the church, we're meant to understand it as the greatest love there is, that someone might lay down their life for someone they love, that we might be willing to sacrifice ourselves for something that we love. The sacrificial love of Jesus is the kind of love that he has for the church. The church is the love of Christ, his bride, and the church is a force for good, and the church is the hope of the world. And all these things are true when we, the people who make up the church, are moving forward in this pathway. This pathway that we teach here, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. It's not just a clever turn of phrase that someone came up with, but rather it's a path, pathway that we see taught all throughout the pages of Scripture and through the story of Scripture. We see it in the four I will statements of God's promise in Exodus 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He brings them into relationship with him, no God. I will free you from being slaves to them. The first, the first promise is about relationship. The second one is about freedom. Because oftentimes, even though we get out of Egypt, we still have some Egypt in us that we need to get free from. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. The redemption of God. This redeem comes from this word, which means to be put back. Meaning that God created you with a purpose and his goal in your heart and in your life is to give that you might find freedom given to you by God so that you could in that freedom be put back into the purpose that he created you with. He will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And the fourth I will says I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And that is not an ending. That fourth promise is a beginning. It is a beginning of all that God aimed to do in and through these people. And it is the same promise that he makes to us and carries forward to us as the church. That because we are now his people, the world will never be the same. We see it in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. I'll read you the message version. It's my favorite paraphrase of the Bible. It says, I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Know God. Your eyes, focused and clear, find freedom from the things that blind you so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Discover your purpose and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. We make a difference. Know God. Find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. We see that lived out through the way that we operate as a church. We lead people to know God by showing them the gospel on Sunday mornings. Not just telling them the gospel, but showing it to them through everything that we do. Here at the gathering, you've got to know that in everything that we do, the way that we operate, we are fixated on reaching people who do not yet know God. Sometimes as a church, we let the squeaky wheels get all the attention. But at the gathering church, I want you to know that we are committed to letting the people who are moving from death to life get all the attention. 
We lead people to find freedom in our small groups and in our communities. We know that when we are vulnerable with others, we begin to break the chains that are wrapped around our hearts. Paul said, confess your sins to God and you will be forgiven. But James said, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. We believe healing happens in the context of community. We lead people to discover their purpose by serving with the dream team. You were made to glorify God and serve others. And when you live that out by sowing your talents and gifts and time into the church, together we get to discover our greater purpose. And then we make a difference. When we do all of this and we lead others to do it as well. When we, as the people of God, are moving along this path together and leading others to do the same, you need to know that anything is possible. There is no grave that is too deep for him to resurrect. And so we follow the pathway. But it's also important that we take it outside. Number two, we take it outside. This mission that we serve doesn't just happen here in these walls one day a week. It's not about what takes place at T.C. Robertson High School. It's, what, it's about what takes place in the city of Asheville and the surrounding areas. It only works if we commit to taking what we receive and understand and see here to the outside of these walls and to the world around us. Jesus gave us our mission before he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The book of Acts is the sequel to the gospel and it picks up right here at this place in the story where we see the, the followers go from this moment where Jesus commissions them into a room where they wait for the day of Pentecost. And in that space, they're filled and overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they take that power and they take what Jesus started and they share it all over Jerusalem and then Judea and then to the very ends of the earth. They would move from place to place, sharing the message of Jesus, serving the people, and planting life-giving churches everywhere they go. I believe that the change that God will make in you as you move down this pathway to purpose is far too great for you to keep to yourself. It stays with you, or if it just stays here in this room, then you are wasting your calling and the gift you've been given. There is this idea throughout the scriptures of reciprocity. Jesus tells a parable of a man whose debt is forgiven, and it's this huge, massive debt that would have taken him lifetimes to repay. His master could have thrown him and his family in prison for not repaying it, but instead, he chose to forgive it. But that same man would go from that space out into the world and look for a servant who owed him a small sum of money, about one day's wages. And when he found him, he demanded that he repay it to the point of violence. Once the master found out about that, he took the man. This is in Matthew chapter 18, by the way. He took the man 
and called him on the debt that he had forgiven, and he threw him in jail. The point of this parable is that we should forgive anyone who hurts us because of the way that God has forgiven us. And the heart behind it is the same heart that we see in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61 is a prophecy about Jesus and the ministry that he would bring to the earth. And in that passage, it says that Jesus would bind up the brokenhearted and that he would set the captives free, that he would replace our mourning with joy, that he would do these wonderful things for us. But in that passage, it takes this turn. The focus turns from the things that Jesus would do himself to now the things that he would do through me. It says that they would begin to rebuild the cities long devastated and bring new life to ancient ruins. There is an idea presented in scripture of what has been done in me, I must now share with others. A reciprocity of of what has been done for me. If you have been rescued by the gospel, you can't just sit here and enjoy that you've been rescued, basking in the glory of God's goodness upon you. You have now been called to take that goodness and bring it out to others you got to be the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to rescue others by the gospel. I just know who I was and where I was when somebody chose to share the message of the gospel with me. I was hopeless and broken and adrift, and I was not going to last much longer on this earth, but somebody saw my pain. And they said, John Mark, I can see how broken you are, how empty you are. And that you're searching in all the wrong places. And the only place you're going to find what it is you're looking for is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, because I heard that message, I'm standing here with you today. What I have been given, I have to give. What I have received, I have to freely give away. We have to be able to take it out. Side. And so how do we do that? Well, we serve people. We serve people the way that we've been served. Serve your neighbors, serve your coworkers, serve your community, your family members, the people that around you seek out opportunities to serve. Serve at the school your kids go to. Serve at the Dream Center. Go serve when people ask for help. Care for the people who are in need. And in the process of serving, find and engage with people who do not know God. If the only people you ever interact with are already Christians and people at church, i got to understand how you think you're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus didn't spend his time with just his disciples and his followers. He spent a lot of time with his disciples and his followers building the church. He spent a lot of time working on it from within. He spent a lot of time teaching them how to lead, how to share, how to grow others. But he also went and found those who desperately needed him. Mark chapter 2, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to the call the righteous, but sinners. Listen, 
if the crowd that you hang out with never ruffles the feathers of a bunch of church people, then you might be with the wrong crowd. You might need to go out and make some friends with people who do not yet know God. And it's not that hard to find them in the world that we live in. Build a relationship with a coworker. Build a relationship with someone your kids go to school with. Join a gym and then talk to someone even though they have their headphones on and see if they don't run away. Get in an opportunity. Join, start playing pickleball. Get your kids into a sports league and get to know the parents. There are so many opportunities that you can find without stepping too far out of your regular life to interact with lost people. And those people aren't projects. They are the children and the very people of God. And we are the ones who have been sent. I've got a, we've got a, a core value here at the Gathering Church that says our city is our responsibility. We live like no one else is coming. Those people that you have access to may not have access to a single other person who is filled with the Holy Spirit in their life, and he could be depending upon you to expose them to it. Build those relationships. Take what you receive and bring it outside. Making a difference begins out there. And then, once we've gotten good at taking it out there, we bring it back inside. And here's why this matters so much. This is the mission and the vision of our church. This idea that we go out there and then we bring it back in here. Because the way that we serve and the people we connect with out there determines who we get to serve and connect with in here. The church is the greatest force for good on earth when it is acting as the church. Focused not just inside, but also on what is outside. We're not a country club for you to enjoy. This is is a battle station for you to prepare for. In this space, they will encounter the gospel through the people they meet, the worship they experience, and the message they hear. But the very best way for the people who are out there to get into this space to begin to hear and receive and understand the gospel and the people of God through the people of God is for you to bring them. And it's far more difficult to bring strangers than it is to bring the people we know and whom we have already served. Someone's decision to accept the gospel, it doesn't begin in these rows. It begins the very first time they have a conversation with you. we got to understand this. Church is not a cruise ship where we sit by the pool. It is a battleship where we man our stations. We have to be in it together in order to do the thing that God has called the church to do. Paul says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach Unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so you are being sent. Go out into the world and serve and share and bring them and bring that heart back into this place. And then once they're here in this place, make a difference with us. Join us in making a difference in what we do in these places. Work with us to make a difference in their hearts the way that God has made a difference in your heart. I want to challenge you today. 
to partner with the gathering church in making a difference in this city. Join us in what God has put us in this city to do, in this place to do. Pick your station on the battleship. Here's a couple ways you can do it. First, be a bringer. Be a bringer. Verse 14 again, it says, How can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching? And this is the burden I wake up with every day. How will they know if I don't tell them? How will they hear if somebody's not sharing? He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I know that it's scary to share your faith in this day and age and in this city in particular. I know that it feels awkward and it feels like a good way to get canceled in your workplace. But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You are saved because someone once was bold enough to share that message with you. And there will be hardships that come when you begin to get bold with the gospel you believe in. That much can be assured. Jesus says as much. He says you will face hard times in the same way that I did. So will you. The way that I've suffered, so shall you. But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because the stakes are too high for us to let a, a fear of how we will be received to prevent us from doing the thing we were created to do. When you bring people with you into this space, you are paying forward the gift that was given to you. And it's often not as hard as we make it. We build these relationships with people, and then we just invite them to come and see. Hey, come, come see with me. Come on Sunday and just check it out. Meet some of the people. I think, you'll, I think you'll find that the people are pretty cool, not nearly as weird as you may have imagined. I think you'll find that there's some warm faces waiting to greet you there. I think your kids will have a good time. Come and listen. Come and see. There, there's one of my favorite stories in the gospel is when Jesus turns to some of his soon-to-be disciples after they ask him where he is going, and he simply says, come and see. And they would. They would see blind people get their sight. They would see Lame people walk. They would witness deaf people begin to hear. They would see dead people live. We get to look around at the people around us and say, come and see and invite them to come and see the same things today. Be a bringer. I would ask you to do this. Identify one life that you can impact. Begin with one. I think that your purpose is greater, but begin with a single step, one life that you can impact, one person that you have access to, one person that you're already thinking about right now, that you know God has placed you in their life to bring the gospel into their life. Identify one person who sits at your table, who sits at the desk next to you, who you, you interact with on a regular basis, and you would enter into their life and allow them into yours. Identify one person who you would let God use you to bring from death to life and pray for that one life to change because of you and then act with boldness and bring that one person into new life. Identify one. Who is your one? Be a bringer. And then join us in making a difference by getting on the dream team. Over and over again, Paul emphasizes to the churches he writes to that we all need to be united in working together. Each of us serving in different ways to fulfill the purpose of the church. 
Ephesians 2.19 says, You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together in a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit, the church started by Christ, built up by the apostles and completed by you and me is put together by all of us working together. We are the church when we all work together. We are the church when we allow our different gifts to be joined with the gifts of the people alongside of us. We are different gifts, one body with Christ at the head. James says it this way. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, that some of us are just pleased to say, you know, that's not my role. I, I just come and worship and I'm just going to watch God move. But I'm telling you right now that when we believe that God has done for us what the gospel says that he has done for us, then we respond in reciprocity. We begin to move in the works of the Holy Spirit. Join us in, in, in the work that God is doing here in this church. This is your moment. This is your call. It's time to go all in and be a part of what God is doing here. Our city needs us to be the church, to be the kind of church that lives out what we say we believe and does it every single day in every way. And on Sundays, they need a church that's not just a few people on a stage, but a community, a family of believers working together, co-laborers in the gospel to make a difference in the place where we are planted and make a difference with us here in this city through your giving. Give so into the church. I believe there is no greater investment than into the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel. And there has never been a better time to give here than right now. Our church has taken many big steps over the last couple months to ensure every kingdom dollar is stewarded and invested into the kingdom. All throughout the scriptures, the Bible teaches this idea of tithing. The first 10% of what we have, we return to the Lord. And we do this because our money is typically the last area of our hearts we're willing to surrender to God. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Jesus tries to help us understand this principle of why releasing our finances to him is us releasing ourselves to him. As he teaches in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In other words, where you invest your finances, you invest your heart. The first place I send my money is where my heart goes. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And so if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? The point Jesus is making here is that even though it may seem like a small area of my life I'm not willing to release to God, it affects every part of my spiritual health. No one can serve two masters. 
since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When we return the first part of our finances, we are able to turn our whole hearts over to God and use that investment together to make a difference in our community by meeting needs in our community, spiritual needs, which are our greatest needs, physical needs for our city through the local church. And together, when we sow into it, we can make a difference. And now, if giving is new to you, but you want to go in on making a difference in our city, I want to just encourage you to take a step up what we call the giving ladder. The giving ladder is simple. If you've never given before, just give. Just begin by giving. Figure out what that feels like, how that is. Begin with giving. And then, if you've been giving incrementally, start to give regularly. And if you're doing that, Then begin to give intentionally. Give through a percentage and just begin with any percentage. And if you're there, take a step up the ladder by giving another percentage. Moving it on up until we're giving generously and extravagantly in Jesus' name. We make a difference by taking it outside and then bringing it back inside through the power of the local church. And if we do that, if we stay on mission and we follow the path and we take this thing outside and we bring it back inside and we serve in these ways, then we can change the world. We can change the world. And we do it one life at a time, one family at a time, one story at a time. It just, it, it's crazy to me that it was 10 years ago this fall, 10 years ago in October, that we were at the Double Tree Inn up there by Biltmore Village in a little conference room, about 20 people from all over the country, sitting there talking about a dream that God had placed in our hearts for the city of Asheville, for a city that was in desperate need of hope, in desperate need of change, in desperate need of a, a place where they could find not just the kind of community that we see that the world offers, because that kind of community will never be enough the kind of church where people can find the kind of community that you can be changed by, the kind of community that is like a family, the kind of community where I begin to find real freedom and discover my purpose in Jesus' name and begin to serve. From that place, we went out and we began this church. We started this church. And early on, I remember stories happening around dinner tables. In In our first family dinners, life change happening. People who had their whole lives felt like they were made for more in discovering what that more was. I I got a text message out of the blue this week uh, from a friend from those early days. And they moved on, gone to another state. But it was one of the, the, they, they went through one of the first crises that we had to pastor through as a church. You know, I was 28 years old when we started this church and just so full of experience. It's not absolutely no idea what I was doing. If y'all have been around since those early days, bless you, man. Thank you for your grace. Um, I remember that this couple came to us and the, the bottom was falling out on their life. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we move forward? How do we save our marriage? How do we save our future? How do we fight to stay alive? And it wasn't just me or Robert or or our team. It was our whole church that just came around and walked through it with them and, and just through some really 
hard days, days where we just thought, I don't know, we're going to believe in hope because we can't see it. And they just texted me eight years later to say, I just need you to know that it's eight years on and my life is still completely changed by that church. Thank you for the change you made in me. Not me. Thank you, the gathering church, for what you've done here. And those stories, that just was the beginning. They keep going. We're, we're in stories right now that I can't wait to celebrate with you years down the road. God has never stopped moving in this place. And he won't. And our city is better because of it, and it will continue to be better because of it. There are changes coming in the city of Asheville that will echo for generations. I believe that the reputation of this city will change. I believe the heart of this city will change. I believe that we're going to be able to see a marked impact here in this place because of the way God is making a difference through these people here. And so get on mission with us. Join us in what he is doing and we will change the world. James 4.14 says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me as eternal life and he who does not, he does not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and it is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I think about this day all the time and you should too. That we are living in a vapor. It's a mist, this life. And there is going to come a day when you will either live in great regret for the way that you wasted it, or you will live in great satisfaction because of the way you invested it. We invest our lives in the eternity of the people around us because somebody cared enough to do it for us. We look out to the world and we say, when I am all finished, and when I am done, and when I ascend, when my darkness fades into a measurable light, and I hear my name called, and I walk into glory, and I fall on my face before a throne that is shining so bright I can't look at it, I will know that I have given every breath to bringing as many people as possible with me into that space. And that's what we're going to do together, church, as we get on mission in Jesus' name with that glorious day in mind. We never slow down. We never pump the brakes. We never give up. We never give in because that day is coming. And we're going to go there together. If you're in this space today, And, and you, you want to be a part of something bigger. You're ready to step into that mission, to step into a, a bigger life than the life you ever imagined you would have, to be a, a part of what God is doing in the way that God is moving. It just begins with a conversation. The beauty of the gospel is the simplicity of the gospel. 
He's done the work for you and all you have to do to enter into his rest and begin on his mission is to say yes to the outstretched hand he is offering you. And so if you're ready to do that, every head bowed, every eye closed, just pray this prayer with me and start your journey. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for making it about me. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you have done these things for me. And in Jesus' name, I am yours. All that I am from this day on, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.